Welcome back to So Wait Pause, the podcast where we pair a good and bad movie and get drunk while we do it. This is Ashley, and I'm with my favorite drinking buddy, Sean. Hey. Hey, it's been a hot minute since we've had a drinking movie night. Yeah, we had a couple things come up, so we haven't been able to do it as regularly. I know, life has gotten busy. It's like we started this tradition in a pandemic when we weren't allowed to leave our house. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and when we could actually have the exact same schedule for like two years in a row. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) But I'm happy to be back having a movie night. Yeah, definitely. And it's a movie that I've been wanting to rewatch for a while, Nightcrawler. Oh, I'm glad that you bring that up. Uh-huh. Let's talk about why we're watching Nightcrawler tonight. Yeah. One, this is, I think we mentioned at the end of the Morbius episode that uh, tonight's picks, which are Nightcrawler and Escape from New York, are brought to you by our good friend of the show, Philip. Yep. Okay, so rewind. Let me pull up some receipts real quick. One second. Jimmy John's, $10.26. Are those not the receipts? No. (laughs) I thought that would be the most likely receipt. So, on January 12th, 2021, (laughs) I'm texting Philip. So, over a year ago? (laughs) Yes, a year and a half, over a year and a half ago. Uh Almost two years ago. (laughs) Yeah, it's closer to two years than one year. So, I send him a text message, and I say, Rewatching Nightcrawler. Didn't remember that Rez Ahmed was in the movie. To which Philip responds, Nightcrawler is so good. It's on my nomination list for a possibility soon. Meaning a nomination list for movie night. Right, because Philip watches a lot of these movies with us. Right, and he likes to nominate things and make us vote on them. Yeah. And I said, should I turn this off? And he said, how far are you? I said, not that far. And then he convinces me to turn off this movie. Almost two years ago. (laughs) (laughs) He did choose it. Two years later. (laughs) So he had to bring it up. So he was jokingly whenever he, because he did bring nominations to us to choose for this movie night. Uh, And this was in the list. And I was like, fuck you. We're watching Nightcrawler. (laughs) Finally. So yeah. So that is why we're watching Nightcrawler. I just can't believe we had this whole conversation. He added to you like it was like three months ago. That this uh-huh. happened. Yeah. A jerk. So anyways, we're watching Nightcrawler, goddammit. <laughs> well, I am excited that we're going to watch it. Uh, I barely remember. Well, I mean, like, I remember the premise of the movie, but I barely remember any of the details because it's been long enough since I saw it. Right. So um, the first time I saw it, we saw it together in theaters. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the first 24 minutes of it again um, two years ago. So I haven't seen it since then. Right. Um, so I'm very excited to watch it. Well, at that point in time, was Riz Ahmed in anything else? No, I don't think um, The Night Of had come out yet. Well, that came out after. I know for a fact that came out after. But I can't remember. What else was he in that was big? I don't know. I feel like that he, nobody really knew who he was until The Night Of. Well, in this movie. Well, yeah, but pe- people weren't walking away from this movie saying like, hmm, that up and coming actor Riz Ahmed, everybody was talking about Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. He did seem like a big part of this movie. Okay, whatever. I mean, he was, but, like, at the time, like, again, like, he was just the supporting character. He wasn't somebody who, like, I was, like, can't wait to see what that kid does. Mm-hmm. Even though, I mean, I know he's great. I'm looking at his IMDb to see if there's anything I should have known about. You know, it just seems like before then he was pretty into his music career. Huh. Yeah. I, I didn't mean, even know he was into music. Other, I mean, I know he played the he plays the drums at least for the movie, right? The sound of metal. His like name is like Riz MC. He's like a rapper. 
Oh, really? Yeah. You didn't know that? No. Oh. So it doesn't even have to do with drums. Exactly. So did he like <laughs> teach himself? A, I mean, certainly he already knew how to play drums, right? Or maybe he taught himself. I don't know. Maybe. I'm not here to discuss the li- the life and talents of Riz Ahmed because I don't know them. Who knows? Maybe maybe he has many different musical talents and not just mixing or whatever whatever else he does. I didn't even know he that was a thing for him. So yeah, uh, definitely never listened to any music that he's ever like produced or anything like that. Right. I'm excited to watch this tonight. Uh, Philip paired it with Escape from New York, which we'll talk about um, when we come back after Nightcrawler. Um, I've never seen that before. Have you? If I did, it would have been on like Spike TV and it would have been a long time ago. All right. It's something that I would have watched on like USA or like one of those channels back in the day. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it would have been like a rerun, like Con Air or The Rock or something like that. You know, it would, be, mm-hmm. it would have been something like that where it was just on in the background. I'm sure that my dad at some point in time put that movie on and it was on the TV. Right. But I don't remember it. And I mean, it is like a big movie that had an impact on things. And even now, you know, some action movies will make like references to it or will take themes from it. Some of the like stylized aspects of like 80s action films are like heavily embedded in that movie. Even, like, yeah. the idea of, like, the, like, badass good guy who has an eye patch. Yeah. We'll talk about that when we talk about the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so Philip's theme through these is um, they both take place primarily at night. I think Escape from New York takes place only at night. I'm not sure. Um, but Nightcrawler, most of its scenes do take place at night. Right. So let's read the synopsis real quick. Okay. Los Angeles denizen Louis Bloom, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, survives by a scavenging and petty theft. He stumbles into a new career as a cameraman and armed with a camcorder and police scanner begins nocturnal forays across the city in search of shocking and grisly crimes. When he catches the eye of a shop-worn news director, played by Rene Russo, who welcomes the chance to raise her station's ratings, Louis goes to increasingly greater lengths to catch the money shot. What's interesting about this is that definitely like around this time, so this movie came out in 2014, mm-hmm. I, was, I was definitely still on the anti-Jake Gyllenhaal train because how dare you cross my Taylor Swift. Um, <laughs> but I don't think I had recognized him fully like as a good actor at that point. Uh-huh. Like he was just kind of a Hollywood fuckboy to me. Um, but I think this is the movie where I was like, oh, he's like really good. Um, I'm trying to remember what the first movie would have been that I saw him in that I had knew he was a good actor. I mean, he used to be in kind of crappy movies as part of the problem. I mean, a lot of people like him and Donnie Darko. That's just not my speed. Well, to me, he's kind of like a Ryan Reynolds, mm-hmm. where he used to be in worse roles, and then he was recognized as a better actor later on. Yeah. And took on some like comedic roles, did like more serious stuff more recently. He's very similar to that to me. But I feel like Source Code... I think that's the name of it. I think that was the first time where I thought he was good. He was not good in that. Oh, I thought he was really good in that. I think I rewatched that movie instead of watching (laughs) Nightcrawler. You didn't like Source Code? No, like it was fine, but like it was just kind of, I didn't think he was great in it. No, I thought he was really good in it. Mm. Oh, okay. That's the one where they're looping, right? Yeah. Huh. Well, I I thought he was really good in that. Very similar to that uh, Tom Cruise one where they also loop. What was that one called? Like The Edge of Tomorrow or something like that? Yeah. But that, that was the movie that also had a different title or has a different title. 
hmm. depending on where you're watching it. Confusing. Yeah. I forget what its other title is. Yeah, I don't remember, but I, I do remember watching it. If um, I remember right, I like Source Code better. They're not the exact same movie, but it's like another idea of like every time you die, you loop back to the beginning of the event and you're just like constantly going through it again. Right. Well, looking for drinking rules um, was pretty hard. I could only find stuff on one website. Um, it's called alcohollywood.com. Um, so they have three rules and then one finish your drink rule. Um, we can probably add to this. So their rules that they give you are drink whenever you see shots of television antennas. Drink anytime Lewis Bloom spouts facts or business strategies as if out of a textbook. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, drink every time a shot frames events through a camcorder screen. That's also a good one. And their finisher drink rule is uh, when Lewis Bloom says, if you want to win the lottery, you have to make the money to buy a ticket. Well, I mean, that's only a few rules. I don't know if that's going to hit like that frequently. What do you have in mind for some other rules? So I think one we can definitely do, especially since the theme of the night is uh, things taking place at night. I think Mm. we should definitely drink anytime something happens not at night. Okay. What else? Um, I'd say any time that Lewis acts creepy because he acts creepy throughout oh this whole God, movie. Oh my God, he acts so fucking creepy. That's a good one. Yeah, even though he's like, he's almost portrayed as charismatic, but not really because he's he's really kind of socially awkward and... He makes people uncomfortable like all the time as he's trying to be charismatic. Right. It's like he's charismatic in a con man way, but not a con man that like makes you trust him. Like a con man who just like you can't get away from. Right. That that's kind of his his whole thing in this. Uh, we could also say anytime that he commits a crime, because if I remember right, he commits a lot of crimes. Oh yeah, that's for sure. In his search for footage. Yeah, because he like like staging shit. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good one. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, no. I mean, I think that's plenty. Yeah, I think and so too. That gives us things to drink too. I think throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Okay. Were you ready to go watch this? Yeah. Okay. All right. And we're back from watching Nightcrawler. This fucking house. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to come on, it's, but uh, the air conditioning kicked on super loud. But it's like right as we like literally hit the record button. But, but also <laughs> the bane of our existence, the, the AC coming on. This house has not had the AC off for more than 10 seconds over the last like five months. It seems just like a never ending. I, I'm pretty sure the AC is running like 20 hours a day. If not more. And the house is always fucking hot. Like, we're keeping it hot because we have to. Because, like, I don't want to break our new HVAC system. Yeah. Well, and it's gotten so expensive because of the TVA prices. And then the heat is relentless. It's been, like, 95 to 100 and something w- without the heat index every single day for, like, three months. Yeah. <laughs> or at least two months. It's been, it's just, like, relentless. It's, I mean, it's it's never ending. And so our AC can't get a break. And then every single day I go to work, they give us these alerts. It's like going to school, like when you're in elementary school and they're like, it's a nose day and it's mm-hmm. <laughs> the air quality is too bad to go outside and it's too hot. Yeah, but we're still going to make you go outside anyways. Exactly. <laughs> and so like for mine, it's like, it's the funniest thing that I have to go in a couple of days a week to the office. Because when I get to the office, it's like, be careful, don't travel outside. <laughs> you could have stayed in your air-conditioned house that you're paying $5,000 to air-condition, but instead, you have to walk all the way across campus in 95-degree weather. 
God. It's really not that bad. I mean, like, they're, they're being flexible with it and everything, but, like, it's just very hilarious that every time I'm in there, <laughs> literally the first thing that pops up is the alert on the weather. <laughs> and it's, like, excess, excessive heat is always what it says. Not extreme. It's excessive heat. Mm-hmm. And okay. it is. It's impossible to live with. Also impossible to live with, Lewis Bloom. Uh, that is also correct. <laughs> that is what they say in the biz as a transition. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this movie's fucking great. Mm-hmm. Like, ugh, I think I liked it even more this time than yeah. the first one point two five times I saw it. Well, I mean, I remember really liking it the first time I saw it. I, I'm sure it was like a little bit more shocking the first time I saw it because this movie has a lot of like twists and turns throughout it. Yeah, I do think it had been long enough that I was still kind of surprised again about pieces, or at least not not surprised because I knew the gist of like where the twists and turns are, but. I definitely still like felt like a gut punch in certain scenes mm-hmm. um, more than I would have if I watched this like two years after. So maybe Philip is really doing you um, a service to put even more distance between when you last saw. He put like two extra years of distance. In Don't there give him any fucking credit. <laughs> that man ruined my life for almost two years. <laughs> just because you couldn't watch this one movie. Yes. Yep. You know what? If I had told you like Ash just turn it off. The next time I talk to you, you'd be like, yeah, so I watched that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, right? <laughs> but then that's the thing about our relationship with Philip. We seem to both like him more than we like each other. <laughs> <laughs> Which Philip can attest to. <laughs> no, we, we love you, Philip. Okay. I know we talked a little bit before we watched the movie about you know, like how I said, like this was kind of like a turning point movie for me, in my opinion, on Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, he is fucking fantastic. Yeah, he's this. really good. I don't think he was nominated for any major awards for this. Mm. I mean, maybe, but like, if he was, it's probably like a Golden Globe. Yeah, I'm gonna look that up. But like, I don't think he was nominated for like Best Actor or anything like that. Right. Like, I had just recent, not like recent, recent, around the time that I was trying to watch this movie, um, I had watched um, Enemy mm-hmm. uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. And, like, that is also a movie that I think he's fantastic in. Uh-huh. Um, that's probably going to be a movie that I bring because I don't think either, you haven't seen it. I don't think Philip's seen it either. I don't think I've seen it. I might have. I don't remember it. Um, but, like, he's so good in that, but I think he's even better in this. In this, it's like, he's definitely like a quintessential con man, but he plays it really well. Like I said before, he's like a con man, but he's not charismatic. So he's not like a cult leader type con man, right? Where you like woo people over to your side and get them to do what you want and things like that. He's just like relentless. He's more like a, like the type of person who just won't stop calling you or trying to scam you until you like get broken down. That's like the type of con man he is. Right. So it got an Oscar nomination for Best Screenplay. Mm. And then there were some, like, one-off, like, not as important award shows where uh, Hall and the director were nominated, but I don't think they really won any of them. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely really good. He could have won something for it, for sure. Maybe this is, like, the type of character he is, too, because it's really hard for people to win awards, especially awards like that, off of playing characters like this. Yeah, I guess so. Unless you're just like the epitome of evil, mm-hmm. like Javier Bardem mm-hmm. in No Country for Old Men, where it's just like you're relentlessly bad and you really capture how relentlessly bad that is. Mm-hmm. If you're like a more nuanced but still pretty thoroughly bad person, 
I don't know. It's just like, I feel like it's hard for people to relate to that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like you don't really connect with Jake Gyllenhaal in this mm-hmm. movie. Like at no point in time, other than maybe his like relentless attempt to make something of himself and like create a business. Maybe. I don't know. It's just like he's like his use of smiling. Mm-hmm. Like he'll say something. He pauses and like the pause is also really impactful. Mm-hmm. And then he'll also like just like do this like smile. Mm-hmm. Like it's just so good. And he does like he has a lot of like um acting like through like nodding, like uh-huh. nodding his head. Yeah. I don't know. Like I mean, I probably need to rewatch some other things, but I think this is his best performance. Yeah, I can't think off the top of my head. I mean, he was really good in Spider-Man. Um, I mean, but legitimately. <laughs> no, he, he, well, you're right, he was. <laughs> was that just, was also a really good movie. Yeah, it was an excellent... I love, I love the, the MCU Spider-Man. It was just really funny to say that after a movie well, like, like this. It's what immediately came to mind. Clearly, it's not that same type of no, movie. No, but he, he but was fantastic in he that. Was, he's one of the better villains. I think his niche is playing a likable villain. Like... And not necessarily likable, but, like, somebody you enjoy watching. Like, you just talked about, like, Javier Bardem, who, mm-hmm. like, his villains that he plays, other than, I would say, his villain in the Daniel Craig James Bond, like, they are so bad that, like, it feels kind of relentless to, like, watch it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's wearing on you. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like... I think Jake Gyllenhaal's niche is playing, like, a villain that is fun to watch. Uh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, you can even go to, like, our favorite Mr. Music from John Mulaney's Sack Lunch Kids. Is that what it's Sack called? Lunch Bunch. Sack Lunch Bunch. Uh-huh. The special that he did for Netflix. The very last number is Jake Gyllenhaal shows up playing Mr. Music. Yeah, it's singing, music everywhere. Yeah, singing music everywhere, where he's trying to sing to the kids about how Everything around you can make music, except when he tries to do it, it won't make any sounds. <laughs> but, like, even then, he's a little villainous <laughs> in that. Well, he goes, like, almost insane throughout this kit. That is really... If you haven't seen Music Everywhere, you can find it on YouTube, I'm sure. Just watch that skit. You don't have to watch the whole John Laney special. But it's worth watching. Not every skit is as strong as the others, but that one's really funny. Uh, it's just such a funny premise that... Cause all he wants to do is make show kids that you can use anything to make music. So, like, you can drum on a pillow, except for then it makes no noise. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you can, uh, what is it, like, stomp on your bed, but yeah. he has a Tempur-Pedic mattress that so doesn't make any noise. You can, like, uh, like flush the, t- you can flush the toilet and, like. It, it, but it's like, one of those silent flush toilet. ones. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's, like, trying to, like, like, he throws something, like, out a window to hear, like, a big crash, but it lands on a truck going by that's full of pillows. Yeah. <laughs> It's great. Like, you should really watch it. We've watched it so many times, just that specific skit. Yeah. And we've, like, shown it to everyone in our lives. It came out, what, like, four or five years ago? No, it came out early on in the pandemic. Huh. Interesting. Um, But speaking of Philip, I remember on my birthday in 2020, which was pretty early on into quarantine, so, like, we weren't doing anything, everybody staying at their house and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I remember we FaceTimed Philip. And, like, I think we, like, FaceTime for close to three hours that night, like, mm-hmm. getting drunk and talking about stuff via FaceTime. But we forced him to pull up music everywhere on his phone 
or like on his computer and we pulled it up on our side and we hit play at that same time so we could all <laughs> watch it together and we could see Philip's reaction. Which also, <laughs> we're on some royalties here because we did that before any streaming service started adding that as a feature. Yeah, that's true. Because they started adding like parties or whatever yeah. they're called where like yeah. you can literally watch a movie with your friends. Uh, I don't know if Netflix does it, but I think... Yeah, Netflix was doing it. Amazon was doing it. Yeah, I think, I know, it, I I think, think it, like, it's gone away. Really? Yeah, I think I saw it the other day. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things where it's like, invite your friends and you can all watch this movie. Yeah. Though, to my knowledge, I never used it because why I think would I? I think it's the most depressing thing that ever came out of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, because it's also not connecting you to them to like talk during the movie mm-hmm. like you might if you were at a movie night at a house like this right mm-hmm. it's more like it connects you all at the same time so you can watch an exact unison mm-hmm. but there's no interaction between you and the other movie watchers right like i don't think it's like like an alexa call right where you all come up right because it's it's through your tv often mm-hmm. and you don't have like necessarily a camera through that so i guess right. you could like call them on whatever else like your phone or a laptop or something like that and do it that way but i don't know it's just a little weird it's very weird but we did it first yeah the bootleg way yeah (laughs) hey what are your thoughts on this movie what do you got um i mean i thought it was great it ramps up throughout the whole movie where he's starting with small cons because he doesn't have any money he's like legitimately broke Mm -hmm. uh he's trying to like weasel his way into having more money Mm -hmm. the movie right off the bat sets like kind of the theme and creates like a juxtaposition because at the very beginning he walks into basically like a construction site and he goes to talk to like the supervisor or whoever who's like heading that site and he was like i have this like it was like copper wire or something like that to Mm -hmm. sell he's like i have like i don't know eight spools of copper wire and blah 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 and it's very clear that he like probably stole that from something and the guy like won't buy it mm-hmm. and he makes a comment where he was like i don't deal with con men or something like that like mm-hmm. do you remember like yeah. what i'm talking about yeah, so yeah, like yeah. i can't remember the exact quote but he basically calls him out mm-hmm. and he was like there's no way i'm working with somebody like you i'm not gonna mm-hmm. buy anything from you right and then the guy was like what if i actually work for you instead mm-hmm. and like he's like trying to schmooze him kind of and right. he was like you know, I value hard work and I like understand what you're doing here and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And the guy was like, there's no way in hell I'm hiring you. Mm-hmm. That is like the start of this. And then he just continues to somehow win every con that he does from then on. Right. But it's setting the tone of like, this is not a good guy and he's cheating his way through everything. Yeah. Exactly. Because so like, even though he is winning, mm-hmm. it wants you to know from the beginning that even if he's winning, he's making like immoral often yeah at minimum unethical and mm-hmm. often immoral choices mm-hmm. and he's like winning by being a bad person right and then you find yourself which i think is like the sign of like great writing like you find yourself like like you're recognizing how gross he's being but you kind of don't want him to get caught like when the police are like questioning him or like whatnot like you like kind of don't want to be like the jig is up I think it depends on which part you're talking about. Yeah, sure. There, it gets way more extreme towards the end, but yeah. like towards the beginning and through his stuff, like when the police first come to his apartment, yeah, and they're like pretty sure that like he like stole some stuff that mm-hmm. like from a crime, and that like or like he has footage of stuff that happened, but he's like saying like he didn't. Yeah. Like at that point, like you're not. You're like, yeah, I don't want them to find out 
about this. Right. I mean, at the beginning, he's starting off small. And so it's like he's trying to basically essentially what happens is he doesn't really have any goal. He doesn't have any company in mind or anything like that. He's just a guy who flips stuff. Right. Right. Like he finds something and tries to flip it for more money, uh, whether he steals it or whatever. And so he basically one day runs into a group of nightcrawlers, which mm-hmm. are the cameramen who go mm-hmm. and film like wrecks or mm-hmm. emergency situations or shootouts or things like that. Yeah, that most likely happen like late at, at night. night. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they sell that footage to the news local news stations. And it's like the gorier, the better, the more dangerous, the better. Mm-hmm. Like, cause people need to be scared if they're going to watch right. all this crime on the local news. Right. Like sensational media. Yeah. Um, they, everything that you would see on next door. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that seems to be all that anybody talks about on next door. Right. Um, one of the, um, drinking rules too, like kind of going into his con man stuff, like mm-hmm. it was like whenever he's like spouting like business strategy or facts, like out of a textbook. Yeah. One, that's a great drinking rule. Yeah. And two, it's like one of my favorite things throughout the movie of like Lewis just like constantly cannot help himself. Like, he has to, like, try to find some corny antidote for, like, everything that's happening around him. Right. Well, and he's, like, constantly scheming and manipulating. And so, like, that's part of it, too. Right. But uh, what I was going to say, though, is that when he first sees the Nightcrawler, he doesn't have a camera or anything like that. He's, like, trying to film on his phone and and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And when he realizes, like, that's something that people get paid to do, like, it's not, like, a ton of money, but it's, like, enough where if you were to expand into it you could make a sizable amount of money right and so when he does that one of the first things he does is he goes and steals somebody's bike <laughs> i was about to bring that up to you <laughs> and then he walks into like a pawn shop and he was like i won the tour to mexico on this bike <laughs> and he's like he's just riding in circles around yeah. this pawn shop on it <laughs> uh that's not the only thing he actually uses i think he sells the bike not to buy a camera but to buy a police scanner oh, i think you're I right i think that's what he was buying yeah which I also made a note of when I was watching that. Is, is it legal to buy a police scanner? Yeah. So now, like, to keep in mind, remember when we used to have, like, police, not a different type of police scanner, but remember when we used to have those little, like, radar things that would tell you when a police officer was coming nearby? Yes. Oh you, like, God, put them. So what loud. were those called? I have no clue, but they're so fucking loud. they wild. beep? Yeah. Like, you know, so, like, they used to sell them at Radio Shack and stuff. Mm-hmm. I have not seen them any time recently. Yeah. I always heard that those were not, like, particularly legal, that you weren't supposed to yeah. have them. I heard that, too, but I am I have no clue. I, I knew a lot of people with them. I haven't read about them. the laws of these. I don't know either, but, like, I knew a lot of people with them. Mm-hmm. But then one time, uh, it's probably in high school or something like that, we had, like, a day where the police came and talked to us about, like, drunk driving and texting while driving and all this stuff. And they brought those up because they were so popular at that point in time. You could go get one for like 60 or $80 or something like that mm-hmm. at Radio Shack or Best Buy or wherever. Mm-hmm. And they were all like, while it's not illegal to buy these, it's like you can't have them in your car to like, I don't know if they're just making that up or if that was true. I need to look that up. It's something I've always wondered since. Like, was it actually illegal to use? I don't know. Can something like that be illegal to use? I don't know. We have a lot of lawyer friends. Lawyer friends, let us know. Yeah. But in terms, of, well, and they definitely don't sell them now, or at least they don't as frequently sell them now. Yeah. Because they used to be everywhere. I don't know. But also, like, I'm really glad I don't think anybody from my childhood listens to this. Um, like, the people who are using them were, like, my friend's dads. Uh-huh. You know? like well, it's just to get away with speeding. Yeah. But, like, my point is, is like, like, 
are they not being used anymore or am I not around the type of people who would use them anymore? <laughs> mm. Well, I mean, literally it was just to get away with speeding, which is, I feel like, now here's the thing. What it could have been is that the police that were like, no, you're not allowed to use those could have been the same type of police who are like, you're not allowed to videotape us. You know, like, even though if that's not true, mm-hmm. like they'll just say it. Right. Right. So like, I don't know. Like maybe if you're getting a ticket and you have one of those, they're like, you know, you're not allowed to use that. Right. Right. I just don't know. Can you actually ban something like that? I, it, I mean, it does defeat the purpose of like, I mean, the whole purpose of the speed limit. If you can then buy something to help you escape the, the speed limit. But right. there's really no other purpose for it is why I'm thinking that maybe it could actually be. Yeah. But also like, isn't it proven that like the speed limit is also like largely just a revenue stream? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I mean, all that stuff is. <laughs> Well, especially when stuff like happens, like with you, when you're driving by campus and they're just like corralling everybody, not oh knowing God, what their speed yes. was. Yes. I got that ticket thrown out because <laughs> I was not speeding. Because they pull over like 12 people at a time. Yeah. And they set up like a speed trap and then like walk out into the center of the road so you can't pass them and then corral you onto like the side street and riding people tickets. Right. Which at that point, that means that they, maybe one person, they actually mm-hmm. got the speed of. Right. And then they were just like, well, everybody else was close enough to them. They're probably speeding too. Right. Uh, not how that's supposed to work. But yeah, exactly. Uh, so it, this is, that's not what he buys. What he buys is an actual police scanner where he can hear like all the police chatter right over the radio and whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're allowed to like listen to there or not. I, I'm assuming you can, if you can mm-hmm. find the frequencies that they're on. Yeah. But I don't know how that works. I don't either. Um, but anyway, one thing that I was also kind of questioning when he does get into night crawling is the whole premise, like I said, is that the more graphic, the more dangerous, the more violent, whatever, the more bloody, uh, the more the local stations want it. But what he was filming throughout this movie is often so graphic that I can't imagine any local station ever putting it out. That's like stuff you might find like on the depths of 4chan or something, right, you know, it's right. like, that is not something you see on like NBC local news. Right. That is something that you see on like internet unregulated news. Right. So I don't know, but in the premise here is that it's literally just a local station. So like he's going to WREG, right? The equivalent. Right. But in Los Angeles. Right. So like a huge local news station. I don't know. To me, that just seems like a little ridiculous. Maybe the whole point is just that it is kind of a commentary on news and, and media in general in that they're kind of like perpetuating this cycle of like only having negative things, like always trying to feed on fear, like driving their ratings intentionally through fear. Mm-hmm. The whole scheme of the local station he ends up selling to is that they just like want people to be terrified. And so they're like, boy, do I hope we can find a serial killer. It's like that type of thing. Like they don't want it to be a one-time shooting. They want it like a spree so that people, they can t- keep talking about it. And people right. always watch the news to find out if the killer struck again. Right. Like they're always wanting that type of thing. So it is kind of a commentary on that. Also a commentary because they keep falling harder and harder for Lewis's schemes throughout mm-hmm. the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Like not, not even once do they ever question what he's doing mm-hmm. or like how he got what he got or anything like that. Right. They're just like, wow, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And he just keeps rising up the ranks. Right. Uh, like getting closer and closer to the high, like higher ups in the local station. Right. It kind of reminds me <laughs> in college, I had to read this book and I cannot for the life of me remember the name of it, but it was a 
book that was kind of follow is like a diary of kind of like a um Dahmer esque um individual uh-huh. um who was a ser- serial killer um and whatnot um but it's like following like his personal diary and like it's clear that he's not a high functioning person uh-huh. and whatnot but like it would have really interesting choices of like the capitalization of words and letters and whatnot mm-hmm. and my liberal arts ass tried to argue in um a midterm paper that the places where the words and letters were capitalized was actually an allegory for the sensationalism, the sensationalism of true crime and the like, the media falling like, true crime. <laughs> <laughs> and this is all before like the serial era too. Like, that was really. Hey, I think it was really nuanced. <laughs> it was probably just stylized to make him look crazy or uneducated i right? think i had some good arguments i wish i still had that a computer or a hard drive that had that paper on it it wasn't my craziest idea uh well to me that argument sounds about as good as the argument i saw on on reddit where we looked up what era was this movie because aspects of this movie like it's a little hard <laughs> oh, to place i forgot i forgot about this conversation um so I think we like I think we said it's pretty modern era. It's like it's a, like entirely contemporary to when yeah, it came out. So exactly. it's like it's like, 2014. It's shot as if it's like kind of like the color and the feel kind of feel like I would say like late 90s early 2000s. Uh I mean to me it it has like that diehard feel to it where it's like dark and like kind of gritty. Right. right. But I mean we all the entire reason this came about is because before it became very evident by the use of iPhones uh-huh. that it was set in 2014, we were literally questioning, like, when do we think this was set? Yeah. Well, like, for, we questioned <laughs> this for half a second. Yeah. And, like, and yeah, also, it was not long. <laughs> it didn't help that he was driving an old car yeah. at the beginning and things like right. that. Um, however, I went on, on Reddit and I looked to see if anybody had asked this question. And they had. Somebody had asked, uh, like, what error is this supposed to be and someone very seriously (laughs) said that it's set in the 1980s (laughs) and they they said that not in the first five seconds of the movie they said that like after watching the whole thing (laughs) and they like somebody was like are you sure like there's like the internet (laughs) (laughs) right uh and their response was like no He's driving this car from the 80s. <laughs> As if that car doesn't exist anymore, like in a used car lot somewhere. Right, but didn't somebody even like post, like, uh, this model wasn't even created until, like, the late 90s? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Well, like, there was a couple things like that. All that aside, I don't know why they were focusing so much on the cars. This whole debate, like, the whole comment section of that Reddit post was debating, like, when the different cars existed and, like, how at the end he's actually driving this type of car and that car came out in 2012. Like, right. whatever. You know what? I don't need to know what year cars came out. Because what I do know is that smartphones didn't exist in the <laughs> 80s, which he has like a touchscreen smartphone. Right. Uh, they didn't have like the internet on everything. They didn't have laptops. <laughs> like, well, not that, I mean, you might have had some rudimentary early form of a laptop, right? But you right. did not have, he is using like an old like pawn shop laptop, right? Y- right? You could maybe make the argument he's using a laptop from like 2005 right or 2003 
but like one that would have a little like rubber ball to as a track thing, right? right? But like outside of that, especially as he upgrades his equipment, it's more and more clear that this is modern era. Right. There's also like all the modern skyscrapers. It's in Los Angeles. So it's like, <laughs> there's a lot of reasons why you would definitely know this is not the 1980s. That is definitely worse than your, uh, your theory that that book was using capitalization as like a <laughs> allegory or something. Yeah, whatever. All right, what I would do want to say, and this is kind of like final thoughts type thing, is sometimes I do get nervous about like when we choose our good movie and it's like a really good movie that's like a drama, uh-huh. that it's not going to translate well as like a fun drinking night movie. Mm-hmm. This one, I gave it like a 9.5 out of 10 as a drinking movie. All the rules, both that we got from that one website and that we came up with, hit really well. And like, it was like a lot of fun keeping up with it. And like, I I had a great time. Like, I loved this movie for movie night. Yeah, I agree. I would give it an 8 out of 10. Okay, get Um, out of here. No, there are just some things that like I enjoy drinking to more, but that's still high. That's still like a good rating I guess. on drinkability. Eight out of 10. All right. So what are you going to like rate this movie like a 78 and tell me that's a good rating too? No. What are you, what are you rating it? Um, I would give this movie a 90. I give it a 93. Yeah. Which is high, like high. Like I realize how much I loved this movie rewatching it. Like it hits everything for me. You get my, you get the crime aspect. You get the drama aspect. You get good performances. I, I loved it. Yeah. I mean... I think 90 is a good score. I, I could go like a little bit higher than that. I think what I'm factoring into that also is how many times I could watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Movies that I give like a really high score, I could watch a lot of times. I did enjoy watching this again. I couldn't watch this annually. I couldn't watch this no. like... I can't watch most things annually. No, but I couldn't even watch this it's like every five Harry years, Potter. you know, or something like that. So like... Oh, it's almost Harry Potter season, Sean. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. But yeah, no, it's, to me, it's just like... There's some aspect of it that is just like too gritty or in some way that I, it's just like, I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't watch this too many times. Right. Well, I think it was great. I think if you watch this movie as a drinking night, I would say incorporate all the rules that we gave. Yep. Um, I think it was great. I think our rules were better than the rules that we found from the beginning. No, I think like those, the textbook type thing good. Is, is good. I thought it was good. The TV antennas was really good, too. You see them all the time. Yeah, that's true. But it, that's a hard one to me. I don't like background rules. Yeah, it is hard. Because you miss You're them right. very it's true. frequently. It's true. Things that are said or things that are in the foreground are definitely what you need to focus on. Okay. Well, we need to pivot to this movie so we can like not stay up till 5 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the second movie that we're watching is Escape from New York. I had never seen it before. Mm-hmm. Um, this is it's Kurt Russell, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I'm going to just start with a synopsis. Cause like, I literally had no idea what it was when Philip brought it up. Okay. So reading it, <laughs> I'm reading the synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes and it just has like four pictures of Kurt Russell and an eye patch looking at me <laughs> while I'm reading it. <laughs> In 1997, a major war between the United States and the Soviet Union is concluding, and the entire island of Manhattan has been converted into a giant maximum security prison. When Air Force One is hijacked and crashes into the island, the president is taken hostage by a group of inmates. Snake Pliskin? (laughs) (laughs) 
played by Kurt Russell. <laughs> Snake Plissken. <laughs> a former special forces soldier turned criminal is recruited to retrieve the president in exchange for his own freedom. What a dumbass thing. <laughs> this is the bad movie. So um, I do know there are people out there who love this movie. Um, it's a John Carpenter movie. So like John Carpenter is famous. You know, he made a lot of other famous movies like uh, Prince of Darkness, The Thing. Like he did a lot of those like yeah. um, some like horror movies from the um, didn't he come up with Halloween? Was that him? Yes. That's uh, so, like the whole Halloween franchise. Yeah, you're right. So, uh, I mean, he's like a very famous director. A lot of his movies are over the top, you know, especially the 80, the one in the 80s. Uh, Prince of Darkness is pretty over the, over the top and things. But boy, Snake Plissken, that's going a little far. Yeah, and we need to, you know, we said at the end of our last episode, but do you need to emphasize that this movie came out in 1981 and it's set in the future of 1997? That's right. I forgot. (laughs) So 16 years into the future. Yeah. Lordy. Which is also now very far in the past. Their future is our not even immediate past. I have so many questions, but I'll save them until we see the movie. Mm -hmm. Like, you're going to turn the most densely populated island in the country into the prison? Yep. Okay. That's the whole premise. There's also a sequel to this, and I think the premise of that is that they do essentially the same thing to Los Angeles. Uh, but don't you have to displace a lot of people to be able to make it a prison? Uh, not just a lot of people, <laughs> the most people in the United <laughs> States that are in a single location. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know hardly anything about this. I do know about, like, they turn Manhattan into a maximum security prison, essentially. However, I guess that plays off the theme of, like, you know, gang warfare, rampant crime, whatever, from the 80s, right? hmm Really, when you go back and watch movies from the 80s, or movies now that are set in the 80s, it really makes you appreciate the time we live in now, because as much as people rant about, like, how bad crime is, how bad, you know, whatever yeah. it is, often when you see, like, a crime rate has gone up recently, mm-hmm. especially, like, in a city or something like that, it's not even, usually, it's not even getting close to what it actually was in the 80s mm-hmm. and early 90s. The, the 80s in particular. Mm-hmm. The, the whole decade of the 80s was just like one of the most dangerous times in modern U.S. history. Right. Uh, I think it is the most dangerous time in modern U.S. history. Right. Uh, Prohibition was like one of the actual most dangerous times ever. Um, where we killed the most, like the most police were killed and things like that. Because mm-hmm. you had organized crime that would literally just walk into a restaurant and shoot people with a machine gun. Right. Like, those days are long gone. But in terms of the 80s, it's like like the most violent year that we watched with Oscar right. Isaac, another fantastic movie. movie. All based, I think it's like 1983 or four that that movie is set. All mm-hmm. based on like literally that it was that was the most violent year, mm-hmm. the year with the most crime, right. the most carjackings, the most homicides, mm-hmm. etc. Uh, think about modern day New York, like when, the last time we went to New York. Mm-hmm. And compare that to anything you've ever heard about 1980s New York. Yeah, it's, true. it's just so drastically different. Right. Same with LA. Like when I used to live in California as a kid, all you ever heard about was like, there used to be jokes that were like, uh, I was on a, on a on a plane and I was talking to a guy and I said, what do you do? And he says, uh, I'm a machine gunner. And he was like, oh, okay, you're in the military. And he was like, no, I drive a bread truck in Los Angeles. Like jokes like that. Right. right. 
that's not like the Los Angeles of today. Right. Now, yes, like homelessness is is rampant and things like that. There are there are far there are a lot of other issues. Right. But the like extreme, very, very intense crime that used to exist is not as bad today. And especially if you like omit this post-pandemic era where crime has gone back up mm-hmm. for a whole lot of reasons. If you just look at like especially like two thousand, I don't know, like let's just take two thousand one. Mm-hmm. through to like 20 like at least 2017 or 18 mm-hmm. it's just like a straight downward trend of all crime everywhere right. like right. memphis was the safest it ever was new york is by far the safest boston is the safest mm-hmm. everywhere you can look at is just right. the safest and uh that it's ever been mm-hmm. like in the last in many decades right this is a good example of that this is a movie that's based on the fact that new york is so overrun with crime right? that you would take literally the economic powerhouse <laughs> and the largest population center right. and the biggest cultural center in the United States right. and just turn it into a prison. <laughs> it's so bad that there is no salvaging New York City. Oh, Lord. Well, I do have good, good news for you. Uh-huh. That Drink When has uh, drinking rules. Mm-hmm. And boy, is Philip going to be excited by the first one. The first drinking rule is anyone says president. <laughs> Mr. President? We, we have a running joke about Mr. President movies. Yeah. Uh, typically in your alien movies where the Mr. President needs to make a decision. Yeah. Anyways, okay. So anyone says president, anyone smokes, Snake looks at his death clock. <laughs> I don't know, but we'll figure it out. Uh, and there's 80 synth music. The extreme version is... Add any time that they say Pliskin. They said that'll be for an additional 40 plus drinks. Oh, geez. <laughs> what a bad name. Who came up with that? I don't know. Is it double S2? Like double S-K-E-N? Yeah. Then it's definitely thematic too. Like snake Pliskin. Sk- oh, fuck. You're right. Yeah. Okay. So stupid. <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let's go watch this movie. I want to escape from it already. Are we going to do a shot in the dark? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Well, obviously, I haven't thought about one. <laughs> um, okay, this is set in the future. Mm-hmm. My shot in the dark is that, especially back and before the 2000s, like, everybody just thought that, like, the technology was just going to be impractical. <laughs> like, it, like, at least now, like, whenever we talk about things in the future, like, the like technology technological advances are way more kind of like realistic and functional uh-huh. but like back before the 2000s it was always about flying cars yeah so that's going to be like my that there's a flying car there's flying cars or just something that's sh- something that they jumped up of what the future is going to be like that's just so fucking stupid yeah and you know really like it seems more accurate today, but I bet we're going to say the same thing. Like 30 years from now, we'll probably be like, wow, we thought streaming was going to be like what we did with that. Like right. we thought that was going to revolutionize things. Right. I think it's all, it's just like a constant cycle like that. In our mind, that technology is so advanced, like cassette tapes. How could you ever get away from physical tapes? Right. Like what could possibly like, so when you think about the future, you just think of really advanced cassette tapes that could hold right. trillions of ga- like Right. You know, gigabytes of whatever. And they're the largest cassette tapes on the planet. You know, like, or something like that. Or you make microscopic cassette tapes. Right. It's like, we don't see the things that re- revolutionize, like, the technology we use, right? We, we can't. Right. Wait, do you have a shot in the dark? Yeah. So I think that 
not knowing much about this, but knowing that it's supposed to be maximum security prison, my shot in the dark is that this is going to pull kind of like a Mad Max, which is also similar-ish, you know, era movie. Right. And that there's going to be like jerry-rigged technology. Does that make sense? No, because I haven't seen Mad Max. <laughs> oh. Uh, well, you saw like the new one. That's the same thing. I didn't watch the new one. You watched it. Oh, okay. So like, well, in, in any of them, say that you have like, because it's like post-apocalyptic, mm-hmm. it's like you're going to create like a tank, but you can't make a tank. You just have to take like a Chevy. Right. And like cover it in spikes. Right. And like have a battering ram on it or something. Okay. I feel like that's definitely going to hit. <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, it's a prison, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be a prison, not just like a free-for-all. Yeah. So I don't know what they're going to do with it. Right. But my guess is that they're going to have like some Lord of the Flies Mad Max thing going on. Right. Okay. Well, let's go watch this movie before I fall asleep. All right. Well, we're back from watching Escape from New York. It's a rough watch in some ways. <laughs> in some? I mean, there's enjoyable aspects of it, especially as a bad movie. It does feel very dated. <laughs> Exceptionally dated. Um, you uh, talking about like the outdated, it's supposed to be the future, but it's outdated technology. Right. So here's the thing. This movie comes out in the early 80s. It's predicting what, like, the mid to late 90s will be like. Not that far in the future, right? Mm -hmm. One, it's that all of Manhattan has been cleared out. And everything was boarded up. And it was turned into a prison. That's all it is. It's a prison. Mm -hmm. Right? That alone would be such, like, a monumental change that it would take, like, more than a decade to complete. Right? There's Mm -hmm. just no way you could do that. I mean, it's a terrible idea, too. Like... You use the most valuable real estate in the world, or at least in the United States, and you turn it into a prison. Uh Like, even then, it was the most valuable real estate. Right. No possible way you do this, right? It's just like, it it doesn't make any sort of sense. That aside, the technology itself is just, like, absolutely insane. It looks like half the stuff is just, like, you know how in the 70s and 80s especially they did, like, they thought it was technologically advanced if you just had blinking lights like, you have no idea what right. that does. It's just a computer with blinking lights. <laughs> they have that on everything. There's, like, a map in the background, and it's all, like, literally individual light bulbs. Like, a thousand individual light bulbs, but they're, right. like, blinking. Right. Or, like, the random machine that doesn't even have an interface that just has, like, red and green and yellow. You can hear my champagne bubbling. Sorry. <laughs> I was just like, I was like... Wait, can we ASMR (laughs) my champagne? Okay. I mean, you are. (laughs) (laughs) But my whole point was was just that the it's like the the quintessential like Star Wars type machine where it's just a box Mm -hmm. with no interface and it just has lights that are constantly blinking in some random pattern. Right. No idea what that does. Um, Now, we do have his death clock. Which you brought up as a drinking rule. Yeah. S- Snake Pliskin, one of the worst characters ever. <laughs> he um, was, it was like, I was not one time cheering for him. 
Not well, once. Yeah, and part of the reason why is because he never speaks. Exactly. He is the pre-Casey Affleck. Uh, kind of. It, what I mean, so in a lot of ways, this is a lot like Mad Max, especially like the um, the Tom Hardy Mad Max 2. He doesn't speak for like 90% of the movie. I, he, I don't even remember if he speaks at all, but he definitely doesn't speak for like the vast majority of it. Right. That's what this felt like. And they're definitely making him like the, you know, strong, silent type where he's just like brooding and like dangerous, but like he doesn't say a word, basically. Right. He does speak, but it's only to be like, yeah, like that's why they call me Snake. Like it's like just stuff like that. Like there's no backstory. Right. You get a very loose backstory of like, because it turns out that Snake Plissken is in prison, mm-hmm. and they are recruiting him. Why him out of everybody in mm-hmm. prison? I have no clue. Well, the synopsis said that he was in special forces. Well, right. Well, but you would assume that now you have. <laughs> I like a... that I had to refer back to the synopsis instead of the movie I just watched <laughs> because like that's how little I felt this movie gave me. Well, like I said, you don't hardly get any background. It's like the part that would have t- mm-hmm. told you that Snake is a special ops Mm -hmm. is just when he goes to meet with that like police chief type person you hear that he did one thing which it also stupid you know what he did to get put in prison he i don't know if i watched this movie (laughs) he robbed the federal reserve (laughs) that's right not fort knox (laughs) not like a bank somewhere right he robbed the federal reserve It's just like everything about this movie is so stupid. And but again, like that's all they say. They don't say anything else. Mm-hmm. It's like they don't like the special forces thing. They don't ever show you that he's like particularly like qualified to do this. Mm-hmm. Like there's no build up because mm-hmm. you don't meet his character in any way until he starts his mission. You don't see him in the past. You don't get a flashback to before he was in prison. You don't get a flashback to when he was doing like bank like bank robbing or doing any of that type of stuff you don't get any of that and so like you go into it just knowing that this is a guy with an eye patch who like doesn't talk a lot and that is the extent of this character and so there's no like there's not much to like about him because he literally doesn't do anything right like he doesn't talk he doesn't tell you who he is he doesn't tell tell you like if he has family or if he like nothing like Mm -hmm. like absolutely nothing right you do begin to realize when they go back into the prison that he basically knows like everybody there, mm-hmm. like a snake somehow every single person he runs into in this Manhattan sized prison, he somehow has some connection to them from the past. Right. Absolutely insane. Which that might be the most insane thing about this whole, this whole movie. There's a lot of insane things. Everything about this is so over the top. From the premise of, like, turning Manhattan into a a prison to, like, why they need to go into the prison, uh, to the technology that they use, Mm -hmm. his background, everything about it is just, like, to the extreme. They Mm -hmm. take it, like, to 11 on everything. Mm -hmm. So we already know that he robbed the Federal Reserve. We know he's in prison. The reason he has to go into the prison, I'm going to start with this, just go through order of everything ridiculous about this movie. (laughs) The reason he has to go into the... Into the prison is because the president of the United States was on Air Force One when it was taken over by something called the National Liberation Front, 
which is basically a fa- extreme far left <laughs> terrorist group. And essentially they give this like long speech mm-hmm. after they hijack the plane. That's talking about like how they need to liberate the United States from a racist police state. Mm-hmm. And then you're supposed to not agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> but then they crash the plane into, into Manhattan, like into the top of a tower. And so essentially now the president is in Manhattan, which is now a prison, with no way for anybody to get in. And they call on a prisoner to go find the president. And it's not just the president, it's that he also has a briefcase mm-hmm. handcuffed to his wrist. Why? <laughs> I don't I don't know. And it has like important documents for a meeting they're about to have with the USSR. Yep. Like that is how this movie starts. Right. You may think that that's like ridiculous enough, and it is. But they go like a million steps further. One like, he uses some weird, like, futuristic glider to get into the prison. Like, that's ridiculous. They use, right. like, a tracker to, f- like, a heartbeat monitor or something like that to right. find the president. <laughs> right. Um, he has his death clock, which is essentially that they gave Snake a s- specific amount of time to get the president before it basically, like, kills him. Right. Like, he's just going to die if he doesn't do this in time. Which is just an added layer that's unnecessary. If you need this person to save the president, then, like, come on now. Like, right. Uh, just, like, let him do it. <laughs> I don't know. But like, that's, that's ridiculous. They have all this advanced technology. Advanced for 1981, but not advanced by today's standards by any means. There's nothing that would be considered advanced by today's standards. Right. However, how do they turn this into a prison? Well, they don't do it by making it a prison. They they do it by just making it a wasteland where they dump prisoners and right. let them roam free with cars and gasoline and Well, it's kind of like yeah, as well, it seemed more like it was like basically cars that were abandoned there when I guess they like yeah. force people to get the f out. Mm-hmm. The gasoline portion I don't know how they get gas. I don't either. I do, can you make gas? I don't, I don't well, know. Well, probably not with what they have available yeah. available to them there. Unless there's just so much in reserve, right? Because right. they had a city's worth of... I mean, imagine how big New York City is. And right. then if you reduce the population to right. whatever this is. Right. Which I think the population is still supposed to be really high. It's based because the premise is that crime is so bad mm-hmm. in the United States. So bad everywhere. Not just mm-hmm. New York City. That we're going to take every criminal... And put them in one place. Yeah. But now here's the dumbest part. So they do have advanced technology in some ways. They have like all sorts of weird things, like I said, that that they wouldn't have had at the time. But how do they monitor and keep this a maximum security prison? Is it from like robots? Like, no, there are <laughs> robots. There are There are like to some extent robots. The whole movie actually begins with a robot voice. That's like reading like mm-hmm. stuff about what's happening. And it's like, the year is mm-hmm. 1997. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's so dumb, you know, like, yeah. but like, do they use that to monitor? No. Do they have these like stormtrooper style people like constantly guarding? 
like marginally, <laughs> but that's not even what does it. Nobody's in the prison other than the prisoners. Right. Like there are no guards, nobody right. roaming the streets, nobody enforcing anything within the prison. Right. Their whole goal is that you just took every prisoner in the United States, you dumped them in Manhattan, and then you surrounded Manhattan with landmines. Yep. That's how you keep them in. I mean, it seems to be working, Sean. There's a limited number of landmines. Like, you could essentially blow them all up one by one and eventually get out. But, like, wouldn't they just replace it? You would think, but I don't know how they could that quickly. But, like, they do have guards, right? But, like, the guards maybe sometimes shoot at you. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. The whole premise, though, is that they escape by just going through the landmines. <laughs> Somebody had a map or something like that where they like mapped out where the mines are. Right. Which also, the landmines, I don't know if you know this, <laughs> but a landmine is dangerous because you bury it and can't see where it is. Right. If you just put landmines on a bridge, which is what they did on this. Mm -hmm. So think about all the bridges going out of, of Manhattan. Yeah, 21 of them. <laughs> As I know. Are you quoting the Chadwick Boseman? Was he, wasn't he in that? Yeah, he was. R. 21 Bridges? Yeah. Um, but now think about that. Essentially, all they did, because it's already an island, mm -hmm. and I guess they just assume nobody's going to swim, um, which probably... Well, people were trying to swim, and they were, like, getting shot at. Right, there were, like, boats and helicopters yeah, and yeah. things like that. Yeah, yeah. Th though, again, I mean, I don't know, that's a lot of space to monitor, and, and people are small compared to, like... People cannot swim that far, Sean. No, they couldn't, but in the in the premise of this movie, they probably could, is what I'm saying. Okay. Um... They got into the place with a glider. Look, I'm just saying that, like, <laughs> I don't know if I disagree that just letting prisoners love like Lord of the Flies is the worst idea. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, if we didn't have a broken penal system and justice system in this country, hmm. <laughs> well, this is definitely based on, like, a very flawed understanding of what causes crime and, like, what are criminals. <laughs> A, a thousand percent. It's essentially just the idea that like criminals are born criminals and nothing about their circumstance or opportunity makes them criminals. Right. And that if you just found all the criminals, found them because they're uh -huh. just people that were born that way and locked them up, then they'll be gone. And there will never be crime again because all the criminals are locked up. Right. And nobody left could ever commit a crime because they're not criminals. Unless you're going to rob the Federal Reserve. Right. <laughs> Which also shows the idea that a criminal could be redeemed or there might be some nuance to what they were doing. But no. But uh, but again, like that whole idea that like you are just a you are inherently a criminal. Right. Not like you walked by something and you were being peer pressured and there was opportunity to mm. to steal something without a consequence. Right. right. Like sure. we, like that's what causes people to do a lot of the crimes they do. Especially, like, crowds and mob mentality and things like that. People mm -hmm. in groups do way worse things than they do individually. Right. Uh, which, again, is part of the reason why it would be a horrendous idea to just put everybody into a mob in the middle of Manhattan. Right. Um, but regardless, they do this. Obviously, there's no plan to, like, rehabilitate any of these people or whatever because they're just inherently criminals. Right. Uh, but they do set up, like, a weird government of sorts. That yeah. is run by Isaac Hayes. <laughs> right. <laughs> who is not Isaac Hayes yeah. in the movie, but right. is Isaac Hayes. Right. <laughs> um, who also drives like a limousine with lanterns on it. <laughs> I don't know. My, my rule hit. <laughs> 
your rule hit too. I mean, this movie had yeah. like everything that we thought it would have. Yeah. Um, you want to know what's really disorienting about watching a movie set in the future? What? Seeing the Twin Towers. Mm-hmm. Which they were prominently featured. And yes, the Twin Towers, of course, were still standing in 1997. But right. it's just, I don't know, it was very disorienting to see a movie that looked so outdated, but was set in the future, meant to be futuristic, and then had Twin Towers. <laughs> oh, well, not only did it have it, they actually landed on the Twin Towers. They did. Like their glider, that's where they originally land. Right. Things also that really made this movie feel dated Mm -hmm. one there is a scene uh, atop a train Mm -hmm. with snake plissken needing to fight to rescue someone Mm -hmm. and i swear that fight was like an 80s workout video (laughs) it was like ha 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 That's like true. it felt like it was doing like a robosize. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there's a lot of scenes like that. A lot of the like hand to hand stuff in this is like real hokey. <laughs> um, this was also like the era of like martial arts movies where, regardless of who you were, you had to be doing like some sort of like kung fu or karate of sorts. Right. Uh, so that's definitely feeding into this in some way. Um, right. But then you also later on have a fight in a wrestling wrestling ring is that what it's called yeah i don't know why that felt so wrong to me to say (laughs) yeah (laughs) i guess the rules hit um it was like choreography that was worse than glow yeah it it was really bad but i mean that was also the scene that you've seen in everything yeah like it's in indiana jones it's in it's in everything just this like david versus goliath type battle where you have Kurt Russell, who's clearly, like, skilled in some way, even though you barely see it throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he has to just fight the, like, meathead, right? Like, the guy who's, like, bigger and taller than everyone else. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's essentially what happens in this ring, is that he basically boxes him. Um, though they do get weapons. Uh, they get to choose weapons, and he chooses, like, a club with nails in it or something like that. <laughs> um, I don't know, like, that. that's the whole thing. What what made this movie seem really dated to me is that Ernest Borgnine is in it. <laughs> True. Which, um, for those of you our age, <laughs> Ernest Borgnine, <laughs> you definitely recognize him. His voice is ex- incredibly yeah. distinctive. He was in a lot of movies in this time period. Um, however, for the younger listeners, young, young-ish, because we're not young either anymore, but uh, the young-ish listeners, Ernest Borgnine was the voice of Mermaid Man. From SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, so that might be one of the more recent things he did because I think he died not that long ago. Yeah. But um, yeah, he was definitely big in like the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Uh, maybe even even the 70s, but you would definitely recognize him. He plays a cab driver in this that they need to find uh, to help get around Manhattan. Again, there's a cab. He has gas for the cab. Right. Um, I don't know. The whole thing is just, is kind of bizarre. It's a straight up like 1980s cab too. Like looks like everything about this looks so like dated. It, right. It's so weird, even though it's supposed to be the future. Um, probably the, the last note that I took that was so cringy about this movie is I think it was after the wrestling ring scene. 
And, you know, like, I think he wins his fight, but he's kind of beat up and, like, now has a limp. So it's shown him, like, limping through town. Mm-hmm. But multiple times, his limp changed his legs. <laughs> <laughs> like, he can't decide which leg is injured. Well, I mean, this goes with everything else in this movie. Yeah. What did you rate this movie at? So, this is a really hard one to rate. It's not as bad as some things we've watched Mm -hmm. but it's not good (laughs) i would give this like i'm gonna give it a 40 (laughs) i'm sorry just laughing because what my score is yeah no so and this is again i struggled with this because some movies i think are like in the teens because they don't even have a plot and Mm -hmm. like now this does have a plot it doesn't have dialogue right (laughs) the whole script like for every for everything, the whole script, mm-hmm. the whole thing, the, the whole thing is probably like two pages. Right. <laughs> like there is no dialogue in this right. movie. When people talk, they're just like, "Hey." I think that's what are you why doing? it was so grating for me. Like because nobody's ever talking. They're just yeah. Like, like we were laughing and having fun throughout the movie, but like as I'm sitting here, like I feel tense thinking about it. That, like, I didn't enjoy it, but Uh there's just, like, nothing in it there for me. And I feel like it was one long Manchester by the sea. Okay. (laughs) Very different type of movie. Also, that had, well, I mean, that does have dialogue. But that's my entire point, is that Casey Affleck doesn't talk at all in that movie. It was a ghost. It was a ghost story. Well, that didn't have any dialogue. Yeah, exactly. Um, It's not like that, but... I mean, if you like 80s action movies, the whole thing is, though, is just that, like, 80s action movies are kind of a bygone era. You know, like, the straight over the top, everything is to the max, everything's exploding all the time. Like, you shoot mm-hmm. a water tank and it explodes, right? right. Like, that whole thing, is, I feel like we're past at this point. We don't right. have those Rambo-style movies and even when they try to remake things like Rambo, mm-hmm. they have to change it up to make it a little bit less right. 80s. Right. Now, if you do love that, though, for nostalgia or whatever reason, this is kind of like the pivotal 80s action movie. Right. In every way. Yeah. Including, his name is Snake Plissken and he wears an eye patch. <laughs> so, I did kind of like the absurdity of some of it. hmm And that's probably why I gave it the rating I did. Well, I give it a 12. <laughs> But you know, the thing is, I bet some people watch this and they give it like a 70. Yeah, true. On on Rotten, it's it's like a high 70 or maybe even 80 something. Wow. Yeah. But again, um, it's just like, it maybe back when this came out, you know, but even if, but I mean, but then compare it to like a Die Hard. Die Hard is like a million times better than this movie. Right. Right. Like, so it's, it's even hard to compare it to that or like a lethal weapon or. Right. Well, for drinking, I gave it a 7 out of 10. Uh, yeah, that's about what I was going to give it. It's a 7 out of 10. Yeah. Cool. Well, that was a movie night. Yeah. <laughs> it did mostly happen at night, though. So. I think it's hit from New York. I don't think there was one daytime scene. No, I think about it. I think you're right. I don't think yeah. there was a daytime scene. Yeah. Yeah. Philip was spot on with that. Okay. Well, next movie night that we have, and <laughs> when that will be, who knows at this point in our life. Mm-hmm. It seems <laughs> like takes a lot for us to coordinate it um but it's my pick and what are you choosing i'm so excited about this i feel like all my movie picks start out with my bad movie mm-hmm. which i think makes sense because usually the bad movie is the fun part of what we're doing right yeah mm-hmm. okay so 
For my bad movie, I've been wanting to choose for a long time Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah. The movie with Reese Witherspoon. Um, which I think most people know that I was born and raised in Alabama. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So this movie has a particular sweet spot for me because it was very well regarded and the shining treasure of Alabama when it came out. (laughs) Like I've watched it so many times as a kid. I don't think I've ever seen it. I know you haven't. I remember your mom wanted to watch it when she was here. And I was like, sorry, he can't. <laughs> I did a full night crawler on you. <laughs> it's like, you can't watch this because I'm going to choose it as a movie night thing. It's one of those I think my mom even owned. Yeah. But I don't think I ever saw it. And if I saw it, I probably saw pieces of it. And it would have been, again, on TV. Right. I had never sat well, down and watched it. I 100% own this on DVD. Mm-hmm. As a kid. Um, so... The I thought that it would be fun to pair this with a movie that was filmed in my hometown mm-hmm. since it's Sweet Home Alabama. Okay. Um. So a lot of people know I'm from a little town called Fairhope, which when I first moved to Memphis, that was like nobody knew what it was. And now it feels like everybody knows what Fairhope is now hmm. because it's become like a big tourist destination. Well, it seems like they keep filming some movies there too. Yeah. So a lot of movies get filmed there. Like Get Out was filmed there, mm-hmm. um, which I probably would have chosen, but we had watched it as a movie night not that long ago. Um, I don't think we recorded it for the podcast, but... We watched it not that long ago, so I didn't feel like I should choose it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I thought about was um, Mike Flanagan, who um, created The Haunting of Hill House, mm-hmm. which, um, as I think many people know, is like one of my like favorite horror, scary story type things that has been created ever. Um, he has he really likes Fairhope as a place and has filmed several things there. Uh-huh. But one of them being um, his movie called Hush. Yeah, I remember that movie. Yeah, I, um, I want to say it came out like 2017 or 2018. Um, but um, yeah, he filmed it in Fairhope. Um, so I thought that would be fun. And I, when we originally watched it, when it first came out, we really liked it. Yeah, I remember um, liking it a lot. I'm nervous of how it's going to translate to as a movie night, similar to how I said about like Nightcrawler, like those type of movies. Yeah. But well, it's hoping, a horror movie. Yeah. But and it's, it's not like a wacky, it's not like a scream style horror movie. It's like yeah, a yeah. serious horror movie. Yeah. So I hope it's still fun, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I feel like it pairs really well. Um, so yeah. So my movies are going to be Hush and Sweet Home Alabama. Awesome. Yeah. I think that's a good pairing. Thanks. I appreciate the that. The Hush isn't set in Alabama, right? It's filmed in Alabama, but it's right. not set in no, Alabama. No, I think they're like trying to make it like almost like a New England type hmm. uh, place. But Maybe that's why Fairhope has become popular, because different parts of it could be used for almost anything. I mean, Get Out, I think, was also supposed to be a New England style um, setting. Yeah, I mean, I just think that it's like... It's because we're on a bay, and like when you see water that isn't a beach, like you are... You know, you're not, not your instant thought is like South Alabama. Right. Well, and it's like, you could use parts of it, especially the outskirts to make it look like the South because it is the South. Mm-hmm. Or you could use the more beachy parts of it to make it seem like California or New mm-hmm. England, depending right. on how you film it. Mm-hmm. The town itself could look kind of Atlantic coast-ish or it could look, uh, you know, I think it's a versatile place to film. Mm-hmm. 
which is probably why they did that. Right. Though that does bring up a good question. If this is supposed to be New England, but it's filmed in, you know, wherever. And mm-hmm. Sweet Home Alabama, too. That wasn't even filmed in Alabama, was it? Yeah, wasn't it, like it was Georgia? filmed in Georgia, yeah. I how, have a story about that, which I'll tell in that episode. skewed do you think our perception of places are because of movies? That's such a good point. Because half the time that we see what we think is like a bay in mm-hmm. on the Atlantic may just be a random place in Alabama. Yeah, and I mean, a huge portion of movies are filmed in Georgia because of the tax laws. Right, right. Well, and that's like, mm-hmm. you know, like Atlanta and all that mm-hmm. um, is like a second Hollywood almost at this yeah. point. But like, just think about it. Like, right. we, they film so many things in like Atlanta and pretend they're in California. Right. Or they film, you know, it's just like how messed up is, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, is our perception of like geography and right. like what these places look like and what the cities look like. Right. <laughs> No, you're totally right. We'll talk about it again next week. Yeah, we will. Or, <laughs> or whenever. Whenever we, <laughs> whenever we do this. But no, I'm excited about it. Yeah, it should be a good pairing. Okay, well, I had fun with you. Good choices, Philip. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll talk to you next time. All right. I'll uh, see you later. Yeah.